The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. We've, we've talked a lot about Cape Clear in the last week and a bit. We had that awful accident, that tragedy that happened down there. Then we caught up with the uh, school down there. They were looking for banatees for Irish colleges. And then we were chatting with our old friend Ed Harper about the goat farm down there. 40-odd years down there he is, goat farming. And tonight on, on television, there's a, a feature about a lady called Neve Nidrishkiol, who you may have met if you've been over and back on the ferry anytime recently. Now, not only does she come over and back on the ferry every day on her way to work as a teacher uh, in, in Ballincollig, I think, but, but Neve, you also are the first qualified female ferry skipper in the country. Good morning to you. Great to have you on the program. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I suppose I, I qualified 13 years ago. I, I think some people think it has only recently happened mm. um, in April 2010. And uh, I certainly was the first female skipper down this end of the country, but I'm led to believe um, it, it's a very real possibility that, that I'm certainly one of the first, if not the first in Ireland. You would have been one of the youngest for sure. Um, pops, you know, I wouldn't have been one of the youngest, I'd imagine. Um, well, certainly one of the youngest females, but I wouldn't have been the youngest skipper. Yeah. Native of Cape Clear and still go back there every evening? Not every evening. No? It's not possible during the winter. So I go out on either a Sunday evening or a Monday morning and I come home then on a Friday evening. Okay. Okay. What was it like growing up on an island like that? I mean, okay. you're, you're, born, you're born on an island, so the sea is going to be in your blood. Absolutely. Um, it was the most wonderful place to grow up. Um, I suppose the most common question I'm asked is, oh, what did you do growing up? Because when people think you're from an island, they, they find it difficult to comprehend and imagine what that life might be. Um, and I suppose, you know, I couldn't say what I did every day, but the one thing I can say with absolute certainty was I don't ever remember being bored. Um, the whole island was our playground. It was a very um, safe place to grow up. We would be out straight after school and uh, you would be told to come home before it was dark. Um, you know, I suppose on Cape Clear, age is blind. So you'd pop into your neighbours. Um, your neighbour could be an eight-year-old man or woman and you could be eight or nine and you'd have a chat with them and it wouldn't be, it would be part of the norm. Um, and I suppose when I did leave then for boarding school at the age of 12, I found that transition really, really difficult because mm. I went from growing up with, you know, essentially vast freedom um, to go into a quite regimented and routine way of life. And indeed, while I, of course I miss my parents, I probably missed island life that little bit more. Yeah. Um, so that was a difficult transition, but that said, um, you know, it was a very important and integral part of uh, me growing up and developing into the adult I am. And um, I'm often asked if, you, if I had my time over and I had a choice, would I change anything? And I, I wouldn't because, indeed, six years later, I was crying leaving the place. So yeah. um, it all worked out for the better. Your, your mom was the school teacher on the island when you were growing up. So you, you were around with your dad a lot, weren't you? That's correct, yeah. Um, I have two older brothers, so my grandparents next door would have minded them. Um, by the time I was born, my granddad died the previous year. So um, they decided that it would be best, um, might be a little bit too much, for my grandmother, who was in her 70s at that stage, though I would say she'd probably argue that the fact that she was still with us, that she was well able. Mm. Uh, she was one of our, our local legends. And uh, so as a result, I would have spent a lot of time with my dad growing up. 
Um, I mean, we we have a small farm, we have a seasonal fishing boat, um, life had to go on. Um, I had to adapt around their life as opposed to they adapting around mine when I came. So that entailed me going out farming with him when I was young. And indeed, if the lobster pots had to be hauled, um, I was brought out in my carry cot and I, it's, I think that's one of the real reasons I love sleeping on a boat. It's, I not, I don't, not off during the day, but I would on a boat. You, um, you were nearly born on a boat. What that's mm-hmm. about? You were, you're almost. Just They're almost, yeah, almost, happened? but not quite. So I'm a Christmas baby, and um, my mum had very fast labours with both of my brothers, and. As I was due around Christmas time, the doctors weren't best pleased that um, mom wanted to stay on the island for Christmas. So the um, compromise that was reached was that she would come off the island on Stephen's Day um, and that they would induce her. Um, however, when Stephen's Day came along, the weather wasn't um, the best. Mm. So the skipper of the day, uh, the late great Coroger School, said it would be best to call the lifeboat and... Um, so I began my journey into this world in the lifeboat and uh, it's still very much a very important part of, of life to all of us here on Cape Clear. Um, mm. I suppose I was in the privileged position that um, my uncle-in-law, Noel, was full-time mechanic at the time and subsequently became my godfather and uh, I carry his name, so it's named Cecilia Noel after my mum and my late um, godfather and indeed that tradition is still carried on. Mm. Three of his sons um, are still very much involved in the lifeboat. What's the longest you've ever been away? You were you were unable to get home, was it during during COVID? Yeah, I suppose you know COVID was a game of two halves for me. Really, um, in the first lockdown, not taking from the awfulness of the reality uh, worldwide, but I was here for eleven and a half weeks on Cape Clear, um, and it was sheer bliss. Um, you know, I, my classroom became my my parents' sunroom overlooking the bay. Um, I remember teaching at one stage looking up and there was a pod of about 20-25 dolphins swimming past um, and I was out hiking the hills or straight down to harbour for a swim after my day's work um, and it was a time that was very, very special to me. That's one, you know, that I, I'm, I'm very grateful for. Mm. Um, however, uh, the, we'll say the second lockdown, major lockdown, um, when the schools were open, mm. um, uh, I was based back in Cork and because we're in Ireland, the benefit of it was we managed to keep COVID out for two years uh, before there was any case. So, really? yeah, so working in a school environment where we had um, lots and lots of cases on, on a daily and certainly a weekly basis, I didn't want to put my, indeed my own parents, but the, the larger community at risk by coming home in case I, I was carrying it. Um, so that was the longest period I ever went without coming home, which was almost two months. And I, I did find that very, very difficult. Um, I found it most unsettling and yeah. um, it's, it, you know, it, life was hard in lockdown anyway, but it kind of was exasperated by the yeah. fact that I couldn't get home. Facilities are good. Like, you were able to conduct your online teaching, were you? From, Absolutely. Wow, I mean, wow. it, the, our connectivity is fantastic yeah. and it has improved even since then. Um, so I was very fortunate and, and indeed a lot of us were able to return home during COVID and, and work from home. And That's I amazing. Suppose, you know, when, you, when you think about it, Neve, you know, incredible. I mean, it's a long time since I was on Cape Clear, and I was only saying it to Ed last week. I, I must take a trip over uh, one of these one of these weeks, but just to see it again. But when I was over there, um, in co- when I was in college, like there was like one phone, <laughs> you know, and and if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. You know, and that was that was it. You know. 
That's right, yeah. It, it's uh, Cave Tear has a very unique um, history when it comes to communication because, um, like that, there was only one phone. It was up in the post office for quite a while, but right. previous to that, before the transatlantic cable, we would have had a telegraph station here. Um, and as a result, Cape Tear was the first place in all of Europe to learn about the American Civil War and the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. Go on, um, tell me yes. that story. Yes, so um, there was two competing telegraph stations, one in Cape Tear and one in Goline. And you would have um, watchmen and women on the cliffs keeping an eye for the passing ships from America. And what would happen would be the the, the, the message or the news was put in a floating canister which had a... Um, um, a candle light at the very top of it so it was thrown into the water when the ship was passing and then the race would begin who could row out faster to reach it either um, the one in Crocaven or Cape Clear and in those two incidences it was um, Cape Clear and oh, message so then relayed to row, row off the island furiously yep. out to sea to mm-hmm. catch a bottle with a note in it exactly. to get the news from the other side of the world exactly it and the message would reach London before the ship reached Cork City because you trans you transmitted from the telegraph then exactly it and the the reason there was a race was you only got paid for the telegraph obviously that you delivered so that's why there was competition between the two telegraph stations that is an amazing and how long that's the that's hundreds of years ago you're you're going way back yeah. Wow. Uh, pre-Atlantic, transatlantic cable. So, for, for, fast forward to today when we have incredible connectivity, and mm. we've, you know, just this past winter, we there was a new um, Vodafone mast established on Knockarrington, which is fabulous because there were pockets on the island, um, South Harbour, and indeed yeah. behind the south of the island, that there was no telephone coverage. So, it's a huge benefit to us here on the island. Five G over there. We we certainly have 4G and we, we have 5G down in the GTEC hub where we have a new, kind of like our, our mini Ludgate, um, which is in high demand, yeah. So I suppose that's one of the huge positive spin-offs from COVID is that it has presented, um, you know, rural areas and, and most especially islands with a real possibility of rural regeneration where yeah. it's now um, a viable option to work from home. Yeah, how many, I mean, how many are living? How many people live there? Now. So there's a full-time winter population of around 120 people. Okay. Um, and then there's the likes of me who commute to the mainland for work um, and back at weekends and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping to add to that. We're, we're, I'm a chairperson of Cork and Clara Cho, um, which was set up in 1979. It's a cooperative. And our main drive is the socioeconomic development of the island. So... You know, we we were the front runners in establishing Ireland's first and only island distillery here on Cape Clear. And one of our biggest projects at the moment is that of the gateway housing. Right. So we're, we want to build houses and have, you know, high quality interim housing on the island to attract families in. Okay. Um, and we have the infrastructure and the communications in place so, you know, that they can work from home. And we developed this model on um, a plan that they did in Scotland, the Scottish Islands where their model not alone um, stopped population decline, but in fact reversed it. So we're hoping for similar success here, but it's not without its challenges. Um, We had put in for planning for four houses pre-Christmas, and we had to withdraw the planning about 24 hours before um, we were getting word on the advice of Cork County Council themselves because they would have had to say no for the very reason that we fell between two policies. Oh, so, which is the story of island life all across the board. And their, their policy is in support of cluster housing. The national policy 
is in favour of cluster housing, wow. but only within a certain distance of a town or village, which there are none on any of the islands. Mm-hmm. So um, we're hoping now with the recent publication of the um, Our Living Islands policy that was published in May, that we can now use that and go back to the drawing board and mm-hmm. hopefully get those housings built because um, housing is a huge issue in yeah. Ireland, but it's, it's been a huge issue on all of the islands of Ireland for the last 20 plus years. Yeah. I can see why someone might want to move over there and and work from home, and it's 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 idyllic. And the mm-hmm. photographs going, it, it is that. I have another memory, Neve, um, of being over there. Morris, our Volkswagen Beetles, mm-hmm. yes, and they were about the only car that wouldn't rot out from under you. That's with the right. salt air. Is that still the case? Or have you <laughs> it's not that the Toyota Corolla seems to have taken over from the, the Volkswagen Beetle, but I do, I remember um, it was um, Volkswagen Beetle Central um, when I was growing up here on the islands, for sure. Because there was the engine in the back, which would take you up that big hill, up towards the up Club the Clara. Yeah, That's and right. I do remember, I was saying this to the principal in school last week, that I remember them going up, they go up past the pub, past the Cotters, they go past Cotters, turn around, rev, like there was no revving in it, to make a run for the bigger, for the bigger hill. <laughs> that's right, yeah, that's your bang on. <laughs> it was the funniest thing you ever saw, but they have a few Toyota Corollas now. That's a, yeah, that seems to be the most frequent car at the moment, but it, to be fair, the, the standard of car has gone up way, way higher since the introduction of the NCT. <laughs> There's an NCT over there. No, but the cars that don't pass the NCT find their way over here. So. I see. Oh yeah, that's a bit. Like, that's a bit like the tanky, the, the the taxi rank actually on on Bear Island. You know, there's the taxi. If you can drive it yourself, you can yes, take it up. That's exactly it. <laughs> You're on a new series. It's a, lo- a lovely new series called Mala Namara. I hope it. I hope it's correct tonight on on RTE. Telling your that's story. Correct. Yeah, so Malinamara is out tonight at uh, 7 p.m. And um, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to take part to showcase all the wonderful things that Cape Clear has to offer. So the show follows three of us that have a connection to the sea. Malinamara means uh, the lure of the sea. And it um, will be shown over three programmes in three subsequent um, weeks starting tonight at 7 p.m. All right, all right. It's lovely speaking to you, Neve Neve Nidrishgol, um, from Cape Clear. Um, lovely. That's not wonderful. Thanks, Neve. Isn't that a fabulous story, though? Back in pre-communication days, the boat would be coming in, and they'd drop a little message into the water, and they'd roll out the chair out to get the little message in the bottle and bring it back and telegraph it to the rest of the world. And now she was able to do online classes on Tinternet from the island. It's gas, isn't it? Quartz 96 FM.